morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with La and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon, how are you this morning? Yeah, great, how are you? I am exceptional. You've decided that, have you? Absolutely. You it told is yourself. my decision to make and I've made it and I am exceptional. <laughs> I am exceptionally <laughs> blessed by God today. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, argue with you that. You can have that, you can uh-huh. have that. You okay. are exceptionally blessed by God. I am. It doesn't make you exceptional. Though. <laughs> no, it makes me exceptional in God's eyes, and that's all that matters to me today. Give us a call and tell us why you're exceptionally blessed today. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. Lyle, I am so excited about the good news that I'm going to be sharing in our next segment. Um, this is a delayed broadcast introduction, so we do know what's happened on the show already for today. Mon uh, is about to tell a personal story. I am, I am. And I actually, I'm a bit bummed because when I did this segment live, I kind of ran out of time because I had so much other good news to, to share. It was one of those mornings where I was like, I need about five times as much time as I have because there's so much good news happening around the world and I just want to share all of it. But this one in this particular- This one cuts close to home to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, it's close to home for all our listeners. Well, I want to say the, the, the vast Most majority. Of our listeners. Yeah. Most of our Some listeners. Some of our listeners are overseas in places like Africa and America. We're going to talk about poisonous, deadly things. Yes, In indeed. other words, Australia. In, yeah. <laughs> in fact, the world's most venomous creature. We will. Bum, bum, bum. Anyway. Coming up, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a river that has been turned into a person by fiat of legislative force. I'm not quite sure whether I used those words correctly or not, but... Legislation turning a river into a person. It's just nonsense. What is that all about? We're going to find out. Yeah, yeah. I just, this is such a gateway to much of humanity's moronic behavior, in my opinion. I feel like. This is what happens when you turn away from God. I feel like it seems harmless. Deny the existence of God, you become a. Very, very strange person. Yeah, or a strange river. <laughs> anyway, we'll be discussing all that and more. If you would like to jump across the live show, you can certainly do so. Just go to faithfm.com.au and press play on the live stream. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app, search for Faith FM Australia, save us to your favorites and listen to us everywhere you go. You can listen to it in the car, plug it in through your aux cable, listen to it at home, in the bathroom when you're having your tub time. Anywhere you go, you can listen to that through your phone, through your device, whatever it is. Uh, or you can give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Pester us to get the live show up in your area. Yes, indeed. Okay, stay tuned, guys. We've got some great music coming up. Interview, Encounter with God, Question of the Day, and a giveaway right at the end. This is my Father's word. Skies and 
Listening to Gungor with My Father's World here on Faith FM this morning. Mon, time for the Who first clue am of I the quiz. quiz. Whoopsie Daisy is taking a picture on my Instagram instead of a video. If you would like to see the quiz clues over and over and over and over and over again, you can jump on our Instagram. It is Faith FM Live. That's our handle. You can just search for Faith FM Live, all one word, lowercase. And uh, you'll be able to see a little bit of behind-the-scenes action here in the studio. So today, it's a Who Am I quiz, and the first clue is this. I sent a letter to Jehoram telling him that he would have a lingering disease that would cause his bowels to fall out. Boo, that's terrible. A little bit disgusting this morning. Sorry if you were eating your Weet-Bix just now. Lyle, do you have any idea who that is? Lyle is writing it down, and Lyle has it incorrect. So if you can tell me before Lyle gets it right, I'll give you two prizes. But this morning, I am so excited about the prize that we're giving away, Lyle. This is the most valuable prize we've given away to date. This is a very, very expensive book. Uh, it's called Cooking Up Good Health Recipe Collection by Donna Green Goodman. This book is like over $40. It's a very expensive cookbook. I think it's because it's from the US. But it's a really great uh, cookbook. Uh, of course, if you win this, you will have to uh, make something from it for Lyle and me. <laughs> and you might need to just grab one of those conversion apps for your phone. They use different, slightly different measurements. Do uh, they? In the United States. But that's okay. cups. Yeah, no, those are all the same thing. Don't, don't they have like um, imperial weight and no, they, liquid used, measurements? Just to, oh, no, here's a, it's a 15.5 ounce can of premium coconut milk in there. But that's anyway, just a, whatever. That's just a can. Lyle, oh, no, true. They got, like, what was that? Hang on. I saw a pound. It's not hard to do. It is the easiest thing in the world to do. One pound of tofu. It's not that hard. Most of this is actually cups and teaspoons. There's yep. only very few that have uh, pounds. and. But it's and an awesome so cookbook. Forth. So uh, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Yes. And if you know the answer to this question, who was it that wrote to Jehoram about his bowels falling out? Um, you will you will have Cooking this cookbook Cooking Up Good Health free. Recipe Collection by Donna Green Goodman. I think she, is she a doctor or something? I, you will have to tell me that because you're the one with the book in your hand. I don't know. It's pink. That's why I'm loving it. It's pink and it's expensive. It's I'm just wondering, Mon, why is there a piece of wire mm. in your sludge, in your morning oh, sludge, in oh. your morning brown oh, did you sludge? you only just notice that, Lyle? Yeah, well, just, uh, it's been in there the whole time. It's not why a piece have, of why wire. Why do you have wire so in your I sludge? Have, if you have no idea what Lyle's talking about, so in the morning I'm drinking... Sludge. No, I'm drinking your like sludge. a juice... No, and sludge. then I add to the juice teaspoons of either like sludge. greens powder or a berry, like red powder, and then I stir it through. Well, actually, I don't stir it through. I used to stir it through, but I found, Lyle, that the, 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 water. that the powder would clump, and then I'd like, drink the juice, and then get to the bottom, and I'd seal the good stuff, the stuff, the nutrient stuff. The sludge. Was, yeah, it was sludgy at the bottom, and I wasted the whole thing. And, I feel like, and it's so expensive. You feel like you're wasting it. And so I bought this little uh, bottle. I want to say cup with the lid, uh, plastic cup with the lid from the supermarket. And inside is a little ball. Of wire. Made of wire. 
And so you, you chuck your powder into your drink and then you shake it and it acts like a whisk. And so every every little skerrick of powder gets evenly mixed into your juice and I love it. I haven't wasted a single bit of powder since. Okay. Yeah. I, I notice how much you love it by the look on your face when you try and swallow it. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us some positively different news this morning, Mon. What have oh, you got for us? This is so cool. Pump some energy into this show. Do you know what the world's most venomous creature is, Lyle? Ooh, the world's most venomous creature. Is it the spider? No. Is it's it, very generic. Is it, is it a sea creature? It is a sea creature. Ah, see, there you go. I was right. You're not right. That's not, <laughs> that's not like all sea creatures. I didn't say all sea creatures. I said, I said sea creature. I said, what is the world's most venomous a creature? No. Uh, We've been talking about it recently. Oh, a jellyfish. Yes, yes. It's actually the Aussie box jellyfish. Of course it's Australian. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Where else would the world's most venomous creature come from other than Oz? This is really cool. You had an encounter with jellyfish one time. Yeah, actually, I had this story is very particular to me, which is why I mentioned I was so excited about this morning's good news. Um, So at the moment, uh, researchers have not been able to find any sort of a cure for uh, jellyfish attack. Um, it's kind of like whether or not you survived it is basically the end of the story. But they have finally discovered an antidote to the um, Australian box jellyfish, which is the most venomous creature on earth. This is really, really cool. So what's the difference between a cure and an antidote? Well, the antidote is the cure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what kind of question? Well, you said that? no, nobody's been able to find a cure, but they found an antidote. So I was just wondering what the. No, difference no, no. I'm saying they, yeah, they yeah. hadn't found an antidote, but now they have. Until now, okay. Yeah, yeah you, you thought you were funny, didn't you? I did. Anyway, each box jellyfish am, carries enough <laughs> venom to kill more than Always. sixty humans. You've One little critter, sixty humans. Um, so st- just in case you weren't aware, a single sting to a human can cause necrosis of the skin, excruciating pain, a cardiac arrest, and death within minutes. Basically, the the venom. Just as soon as it hits the human, it just destroys, destroys, destroys. Just it goes on like a cell, a destroying. Yeah, just absolutely murders any cell in its path. And um, this is really great. A team of researchers from the University of Sydney uh, at the Charles Perkins Centre, Professor Greg Neely and Dr. Raymond Lau, um, have studying how the venom works. And then they discovered that there's a medicine that can actually block the symptoms of the jellyfish if administered to the sting within 15 minutes of contact. Um, so it works outside of the body and has been tested very effectively. So they're hoping to develop uh, a topical application for the humans. They're having a bit of trouble because they're like... When you say it works outside of the body, that means you put it on as a yeah, cream rather well, than inject it into a vein. At the moment, they're sort of like wondering what the best way to, to apply it. Because if it's a cream and you have to wipe it on, then you could be touching the, the, the sting, the, um, the tentacles, and, and that way getting more. Well, who takes gloves to the beach, Lyle? So yeah, but the same person who takes uh, this to the beach. No, this is something that I think everyone will have in their beach bag. I think just a little vial because they're thinking of going into a spray, which is great because you don't need to touch anything. I think this needs to end up being something that people carry in their bags at all time. And uh, and if anyone gets gets hit, just whip it out and spray it on and Bob's your uncle. so it's it's this is the way they've. I'm debating whether or not to read out the science behind how they figure it out, but it's very science heavy, <laughs> and um, and it might not be understood. But it's it's basically genome screening uh, for those scienty sciencey people who know how that works. The reason that I love this is because I myself personally have almost died from a jellyfish attack. 
Um, so there's two different kinds of jellyfish. What, yeah, what jellyfish did you get hit with? Uh, the Irukandji. The mm. Irukandji. It's the tiny, tiny, tiny yeah, 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 one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the really, one with yeah. really long tentacles that sometimes really break off. Small. And when, even after the tentacles break off, they're still deadly. Yeah, that's right. Um, so they're tiny. Uh, there's, there's two different, there's two main different ones. There's, there's the really, really big ones um, that can just be like meters in, in length. Or there's these tiny little ones. Um, so the one that happened to me, I was in Western Australia and, um, it was actually, <laughs> I don't want to use the word karma on this show. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was, it was karma. It was re- to revenge say. of the ocean. Revenge of the jellyfish actually. Cause uh, I didn't, at that point I was young and stupid and didn't realize what they were. I just noticed that when you, I put my head underneath the water with my goggles on, I could see these little, um, little tiny, little boxy jellyfish. And I happened to have my brother's, um, spear. Uh, what do you call those fishing spear kind of things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've sort of been shish kebabbing them all morning. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then... Uh, the this was <laughs> a really bad idea, Mon. <laughs> what were you thinking? And so I guess then, let me go spear fishing of Irukandji. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, a little bit later, this dolphin came in really close to the to the shore. And everyone's like, ah, oh, dolphin, dolphin. And so we all just like drop everything and swim out to the dolphin. And as I did this... Like, you're the only one, no doubt, who's had goggles on who knows that the water is full of these things. Yeah, or? but I hadn't made contact with them, so I didn't realize that they hurt. And, uh, and so I just thought they were harmless because most of the, like, the disgusting river jellyfish I'd seen, they're just gross, but they're harmless. Anyway, so I start swimming out. You to get a mild sting from them, but. Oh, I've never touched one either. Like, why do I want to touch it? Who would? And, uh, and yeah, so I, I sort of like jump. I, I swim a little bit more aggressively towards this dolphin. And as I sort of lunge through the water, I was wearing like a, a tank top style thing with a with a built-in um uh bra almost it has like elasticized underneath and a, and a jellyfish went down there and got caught on the elastic and basically sizzled the whole front of my body and uh and yeah i, I started screaming my face off and i jumped up and i the only thing i could like i was i was just in pain mode just ripped off um my swimsuit ran across the breach and uh, up to the house and just grabbed some balsamic vinegar out of the beach house where we were all staying mm-hmm. and uh, dunked it all over myself and then just passed out and slept for almost three days. And uh, thankfully my brother, you know, he does like paramedic first aid ambulance stuff and so he looked after me and uh, the two families that we were holding with prayed and prayed and prayed and the amazing miracle is because like, my front was just a scarred up mess for a couple of months. Couldn't wear a bra, couldn't, you know, had to wear really loose floppy t-shirts. And to this day, I do not have a single scar from that attack. That's amazing. And I, I believe it's simply because they prayed. Yep, absolutely. Power Miracle of prayer. God. So, right yeah. there. Great story. Great testimony. John saw a golden city, New Jerusalem come down. Twelve jasper walls and gates of pearl Such splendor all around And he tells about a river of life That flows beneath the throne Where we'll drink and live eternally In a mansion all our own Oh, if that don't make you want to go Brother, if that don't make you want to go Sister, if that don't make you want to go To heaven I don't know what does They say there 
no heartache there And no more curse of sin No sickness and no cross to bear And death can't enter in No fighting and no battlefields No war, no enemy Where the lamb and lion lay side by side In that land of perfect peace Oh, if that don't make you want to go If that don't make you wanna go, sister, if that don't make you wanna go to heaven, I don't know what does. Listening to the Downing family with If That Don't Make You Want to Go here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for that quiz there, Mon. Okay, who am I? Clue number two. I rebuked King Az- Ahaz. What the? Ahaziah. Ahaziah. That guy. Yep. And told him he would die because he sent men to consult Belzebub, the god of Ekron. Ekron, mm. indeed. Lyle has it correct. He was pretty close before. He's bang on now. Give us a call if you know the answer. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. If you get it right, I'm going to send you a really great cookbook, Donna Green Goodman's Cooking Up Good Health Recipe Collection. It looks oh, delicious, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Give us a call right now. Okay, so this morning I wanted to talk about the rise of non-theistic religions. Oh, now, this is nothing new in our world. A lot of people would say, wow, that's kind of different. A non-theistic religion. In other words, a religion that does not believe in the supernatural, does not believe in any kind of God whatsoever at all. How does that even classify as being a religion? Can it classify as being being a religion? Of course, it's caused much debate, uh, particularly when the Satanic Temple, which is uh, not to be confused with the Satanic Church, the Satanic Church believes in Satan as their God. The Satanic Temple, on the other hand, does not believe in the existence of any god. They are atheist or non-theistic, um, and they are bound together by a code of ethics. So why do they call themselves a satanic temple, then, if it's not satanic, if it's just irreligion? They exist for the purpose of um, drawing attention to um, issues of separation of church and state. 
Okay, still doesn't mean that... The reason that they call themselves the Satanic Temple is because they exist in the United States, which is a predominantly and quite passionately at times Christian nation. And so you have Christians who try to create a union of church and state. And so they will turn up, you know, at one of these kind of situations. Okay, if you're going to have, um, you know, your statue of Jesus right here, we want to put our statue of Satan right beside it. And it's a way of drawing attention to the issue of the separation of church and state. Okay. And so it's a publicity stunt, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got some other ones out there like the Pastafarians. Um, Pastafarians. You know, mm-hmm. um, who, 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 uh, claim that they worship the flying spaghetti monster and have, uh, talk like a pirate day, which is probably the only cool part of their religion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are an anti religion religion. They are a religion that exists for the purpose of mocking religion. Um, then you've got, Things like uh, Jedi, they, they tend to take their religion quite seriously, but once again, they don't believe in any kind of theistic being. They believe in a, uh, a philosophy that's very Buddhist in its, um, in its nature. And then, of course, we have the extreme greens. Extreme greens? Yes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the extreme greens and where they fit into this whole equation, but they definitely fit into the area of uh, non-theistic religions. And so... Before we get too deeply into that, one of the things we need to recognize is that non-theistic religions have been around for a very, very long time. If you study, for instance, the ancient Egyptian religion, you would say, you know, this is a religion that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gods. But at the highest levels of the ancient Egyptian religion, they didn't actually have any gods. They simply had the force of nature. And they personified the force of nature by giving it names and ascribing gods to it that the lower levels of society worshipped as personal gods. The upper levels of society were like, well, there is no such thing as God. God, we are atheists. Um, But the most powerful force that there is in the world is nature. Therefore, we worship nature. But doesn't that then make that a theistic religion because they're making the nature a god? Yes, it's a theistic religion in that way, but it is not a theistic religion in that they do not believe in a personal God. They do not believe in the supernatural. Okay, gotcha. They don't believe in the power of the supernatural. And your extreme green is 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 very much like that. Um, they believe in the force of nature. They believe that nature is the most powerful force that there is in the universe. And so they recognize that force. Um, they see us as being a part of you know one great giant organism that is nature. And then, of course, you have extreme equality that becomes a part of that. You know, so this whole this whole issue of equality over freedom, and so the philosophy goes that you know, and of course, it's very much an atheistic evolutionary philosophy. What gives your life, what gives your existence more value than the existence of the tree outside? And from an evolutionary perspective, it has there is no difference in value between your existence and the existence of the tree outside. Therefore, there should be the same legislation protecting your existence as there is protecting the existence of the tree outside. In other words, you go to jail for murder for cutting the tree down. I'm not so sure I like being likened to as valuable as a tree. No, yeah. and that's because we come from a Christian perspective where um, God has created order and there are higher orders and lower orders of creation, and the higher orders are given dominion or stewardship um, over the, uh, the the lower orders of natures. Uh, the, yeah, the, the the lower order of natures, na- nature, I should say. Um, and so it's a, it's a very different kind of a perspective. So all of this discussion 
leads us to what's taking place in New Zealand right now, which I find most fascinating from the standpoint of religion, where they are in the process of ascribing a river personhood status. What? Yes. What do you- a river personhood status. What does that even so this, mean? A uh, river is in Wanganui, the Wanganui River, um, and it is legally becoming a person. And from a legal perspective, nobody's actually really figured that out yet. Is that because it's unbelievably silly? <laughs> is that why no lawyer's been like, hmm, let me sit down and figure out the laws? Yeah, well, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It, it, to me, you know, you can protect a, 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 a river in such a way that people who worship the river can have, uh, you know, in such a way that allows people to worship the river. You know, and that is that is in many ways protecting freedom of religion. So, um, this is your religion. We allow you to worship the river, and we protect the river. You know, as as a part of that process, you can protect a river as a national park or a world heritage area. That's providing legal protection to the river. Yeah, I was going to say give, well, you can some you environmental can, laws in. That's right. All every level of protection that you want, you can do without making the river a person. This is really has the moment that you rate make the river a person. What you are now doing is legislating religious practice and belief on everybody who's associated with that river. So it doesn't whether you're Maori or whether you're Pakeha, you have you are both required now to recognise this uh, river as a person. And in traditional Maori religions, they recognise the river as a person. That's that's fair How enough. How do they even that's get this religion. through court? How did like which judge was like? Do you know what? Bang! That river is a is a is a person now. And how is that? How I, well, is that river that I, person? The question I have a, is how is how is this? How do voice you, anything? How do you how do you deal with this from the perspective of separation of church and state? Uh huh. Because this is legislation, you know, because the, the the concept of the river being a person that's a supernatural concept, and you know, I respect you know Marys who who uh, who choose to follow traditional religions and religious practices. I I believe in protecting their rights, um, just as I do in believe in protecting everybody's rights to worship according to you know the freedoms of their own conscience, and I'll stand by that and I will fight for that. But when Myself, as a Christian, am forced to recognize something that is they believe is supernatural, then that is infringing on my religious belief, and that is not that that is that's violating the, the, the concept of the separation you know of what, church and state. Do you know what annoys me so much about this, Lyle? The fact that this would have taken a bit of money to put through court through legislation. Oh, and yeah, how enormous bigger effort. issues enormous there effort. are. Around, going on around the world that they're we making could, turning a river into a person, turning yeah, an in, in, yeah. inanimate object into a person, because they're also t- turning Mount Taranaki into a person as well. Um, and so I feel like you know a, when you when when you when you legislate that a non biological entity is a person, um, then you know you you're, you're enforcing. I feel your like they've opened themselves else. up for a lot of. For a lot of foolishness to happen now, because how many people are going to say, "Well, I'm a river whisperer, so I can translate what the river wants, what the river's saying, what the river's feeling," and then start requesting all kinds of nonsense rights for the river? Okay, you can request, uh, you know, rights for religious purposes and religious reasons, and that's fair enough. We can we can recognise those or allow for those in law, 
But what when if I make... want to swim in this river? Is that considered assault now? Well, this is one of the interesting one of the interesting aspects of it because they're talking about you know all the terrible things that have been done to the river since uh, since you know um, Western civilization has uh, has arrived. You know where they've they've dynamited the river so that you know the the rapids so that boats can get access. They've extracted gravel from it. You know they've pumped you know effluent into it. Um, they've diverted part of it for hydro. You know all this kind of stuff, and they're saying you know we've exploited it for selfish reasons. But what we need to recognise is that when the Maori were worshipping this river, and it was a part of their traditional beliefs. You know, they were building massive latticework uh, timber weirs right across the river to catch, you know, basically every fish that came past. Mm. And my question is, you know, this is an issue of human nature. That's right. Human nature exploits. That's right. And the difference between the two cultures is really just a difference in available technology. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. And you know, you bring you bring uh, human selfishness into the equation, and would it be any different? Now, there would be a lot of people who would argue very, very vehemently that it would be very different. Um, I would argue that human nature is the same regardless of uh, of culture or of race or of ethnicity or of religion, and human nature tends to be corrupt. But anyway, I would love to hear your thoughts on this particular story. Uh, so please do give us a call. Love to hear from some Maori people this morning. Get your perspective on it. Our number is one eight hundred three two four eight four three. This is Vocal Union. For that heavenly 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM. It's the breakfast show with Lyle and Mon. We're here at Big Camp, Stewart's Point. Oh, it's such a beautiful day. I literally just want to chuck my headset on the ground and throw the microphone over my shoulder and run to the beach with all I got because that's literally all I want to do right now. You know, Mon, that um, we've been announcing this at every single interview we've had, but these are recorded interviews. Yeah, yeah. These like We have a couple of little... Well, we've been cheering them out. It's Super Sunday Fun Day. We've got a tent set up next to this marquee village with a whole bunch of different other you know ministries and businesses and so forth and we've and got our little ministry and here jumping castles yeah, and face painting all and kinds of stuff even um, your bed fits on display yeah yeah and, uh, and we've just, we were like do you know what let's just grab people and interview them all day long and so that's what we've been doing this is why we have a lot of interviews coming out of Big Camp and which is why we have our next one that's coming out of Big Camp as well so in front of us I have Desley and I've got to tell you Lyle I know nothing about Desley other than the fact that she knows you're a scallywag so she's down <laughs> with me I'm cool with so this, is, this is this is why I jumped in on this interview yeah. to make sure that she doesn't you know say any oh I wrong see things. what it is I so basically he's the Stasi police Do you the know interview what? is not long enough to share yeah. enough. <laughs> 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 she's so on to you <laughs> don't worry Desley is safe with me I'll look after you just tell it how it is but yeah why are we interviewing Desley today Lyle? okay so Desley has this um this uh, she does this really cool thing um, her and her family and a bunch of other um, young people called Eastwood. Eastwood? Yeah, of course you've heard of Eastwood. <laughs> Sorry. They have the most amazing farm out there. Well, I really should get um, Desley to talk more about it. Um, and uh, they were here today. Well, Desley, what were you doing here today? So today I just happened to hear that there was a like this whole market thing happening and I was meant to be at another market and I thought, blow that market, I'm coming to this market. Because this market's just bigger. Absolutely. And more people and more and, excitement and more and energy. mostly and vegetarian me. and I sell veggies. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Was your the booth the one that had, like, the carrots and bananas and stuff? Yes. <gasps> I wanted some of those bananas. Do you have any left? You missed it. No! <laughs> Everyone who was here today just completely no. sold out. Oh, th- do you, I know, the, I big, have... the big red bus ran out even before lunchtime. It was, like, completely oh, you sold wow. out. Double-decker red bus. But do you know what? Like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a serious weakness for cute bananas. If I see, like, a small, cute banana, <laughs> like, that thing is sold and will be on my social media. Was That's it mousse? how much I love. Yeah, mousse. Mousse. Salam mousse. We just came back from Ethiopia, Desley, and we discovered that mousse is how they say banana in Ethiopian. And so Mon decided that she was going to call all the Ethiopians mousse. Because the only two words I remember, they kept trying to teach me Ethiopian, but the only words I remember was salam, which means hello, and muz, which means banana. And so I was just like, salam muz, salam muz, and just saying hello, banana, to everyone. And it worked. They thought it was hilarious. They laughed, and by the end of it, it was like a catchphrase. Everyone was saying salam muz to everyone else. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. If yeah, exactly, exactly. So are your bananas organic? Yes. Is that They're actually cute? not my bananas. The bananas are not mine. The bananas okay. actually belong to a friend of mine that I sell his bananas. Okay, do you reckon you could get in touch with your friend and get him to sell me some mousse? Some I reckon. Mousse? I reckon I could do a yeah, mates race. I'm so glad we're interviewing you today. So tell us a little bit more about Eastwood before we get too distracted by mousse. Well, tell us about tell us about all that produce that you had. Was all of that produce like 100 percent organic? Uh huh. Wow, and it looks so good. Yeah, it was. It looked it was like amazing. out of a magazine. Good. It is. Yeah. Wow. You know, you know how you see you see you see fruit and veg in the shop sometimes, and it just looks like it's been painted Plastic. green. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And this has that deep, uh-huh. deep, deep green, and you can just you can just literally see vitamins <laughs> bubbling <Dude>. out of it. 
You know, Almost, I kind know of. Why. Maybe, I'm not exaggerating. Just a little bit. You know why these ones are particularly good? Because I actually got up at four o'clock in the morning to oh, pick wow. them. Wow. Dude, you are dedicated. <laughs> I did get here and find that at four o'clock in the morning when you're picking vegetables, you cannot see the little bug eaten parts and the little spots on them. So I had to do a little bit but of see, re-bunching is, when I got here. This is how you know that it's all organic. That's right. Because it's got bugs on it. Yeah, if That's the bugs what they are down me. with it, if the bugs like it, then you know it's good stuff. What? Yeah. And you know what? My customers are actually okay with that. But you have to tell them the bugs are actually the taste testers and it's been approved. So they're safe. That's like that's how it works, right? The bugs are the taste testers. Is that only if you can prove the bugs are still alive? Yeah, good point. So tell me a little bit, like, what exactly is Eastwood? Like, for listeners who may have, like, no idea what it is, is this like a... Is this like a suburb? Because I'm pretty sure there is a suburb called Eastwood in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, we, do get, train past we get confused for that a lot. Yeah. Um, always spelling our name because ours is actually not Wood, but Ward. Oh, Eastward. Like, we're heading the direction. Eastward. It's the direction. Yeah. See, there's a garden eastward in Eden. E- that's ah, that's, yeah. that's where the name came from. Straight out of the Bible. I like it. Yeah. So, so yeah, go on. So, we have a property, uh-huh. um, and it is called... Eastwood's property, but Eastwood is not a property. Eastwood is a group of people, predominantly young people, doing stuff, ministry stuff, all over the place. And the garden is part of that stuff. Is Eastwood near Eastwood? No. Okay, just checking. No. We're Where near is it? Port Macquarie, yeah, East- oh, Port Port Mac. Hope. Yeah. Okay, nice. If you, if nice. you think of Eastwood in Sydney, this is about as opposite of that yeah, as what you say, can possibly even say. begin to imagine. How much of a gardeny, Edeny kind of setup can you have in Sydney? Uh, look, we even have a pet kangaroo at our <gasps> farm. No way. I'm coming for the bananas and the kangaroos. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Mon's always been wanting me to get her a pet kangaroo. Yeah, I do. I kind of want one. But I haven't. But I'm too transient. I'm a bit worried about that. Yeah. yeah. It's very worthwhile. Don't get a wallaby, get a kangaroo. So can people sign up to come to East Ward and, like, learn stuff? So we do a couple of things. Um, my husband and I and my family, we do the garden part. So that's our part of the ministry. Um, and then there's other aspects of the ministry. So we have a canvassing team or what do they call it? A, a student evangelism. Okay. Literature um, evangelism. Literature evangelism. That's the one. That's the one. Yep. Team, um, and that runs every year, December, January. They have up to 40 young people. They've got people coming wow. from other countries. And I think this year they did over 10,000 books Whoa. Um, during that program. Praise so that's the pretty Lord. cool. Uh, the, another aspect is the music camps and the, what they call the DeSozo camps, which are like help camps um, where you find people in the community that need help and you go out there and you just do a backyard blitz type stuff. That's amazing. That must be so much fun. Yeah, they really like the kids. The kids like it, except for on those forty degree days. Oh yeah, that's yeah, tough. going to be hard. That's when um, you need to be cleaning up someone's yard that has a pool in the back. Or they oh, give you ice yeah. creams at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would be a bonus. I as well. would accidentally on purpose be falling into every pool I came across. But can I just ask? When you said you do the music camps, is that like have I seen that? Like, do you guys film? Like in beautiful nature settings and that they're all sort of like wearing the same sort of outfits and you know, are standing amongst like, you know, wonderful waterfalls in the Aussie bush and they're all like playing and singing. It's like a, it becomes like a music video, is that? Yep, that's the one. So, so for two weeks every year, a bunch of kids from again, like, I think it ends up being about 100 kids for music camp all get together. They spend the first week practicing. The second week they go out in location and film the songs that they've just practiced. That's amazing. I actually know a few kids who come to that every year and they're so excited. Like every year they're like, I'm so excited about music camp. And as soon as music camp is over, I was so excited about music camp. They're just like <laughs> throffing over it. Yeah, they love it. But that's incredible. You sound like you have a 
bunch of stuff going on at Eastwood. Yeah, we do. It's it's predominantly just all over Australia, really. We don't, other than the garden, nothing happens much at Port Macquarie Warhope. Um, everything is kind of just, yeah, all over the place. So how long have you been involved with this ministry? Oh, Lyle, how long have I been involved in this okay, ministry? Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Let me think about <laughs> That's this. a let tough think question. I need help. <laughs> Brain trust. Uh, 2004. Four. Four. Let's go four. I reckon? Be three or four. We rocked up at your place. It might have been it might have been three. Wait, how three. are you connected to this, Lyle? Two thousand and three. How are you connected to this? Uh, how am I connected to this? Why I would you know the Why answer? was I co- there was I don't know, we just stayed at your place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys came and stayed at my place for some reason. And that was in, sort of had something to do with the early days of Eastwood. <laughs> and uh, I think I was actually on one of the early committees. Okay. Yeah, that was discussing the idea of putting something like this together. Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, I yeah, was. I was okay. on a very early committee that yep. where, we, where we talked about putting something like this together. What was the concept back then? Like the concept of it was like you know to what, to to train kids to reach communities to teach health. Like what was the vision for it? Yeah, pretty well that. To what was the slogan? To equip, to inspire, to serve, to save, or something like that That's was cool. the yeah was the catch. Um, basically, we wanted to train young people in health. Um, kind of community service type work, um, gospel evangelism, health evangelism, that kind of thing. Um, and we did that. Initially, we ran training schools and did that um, on site fairly well, but it's just kind of morphed and changed over the years to be what it is now. It's incredible. Incredible. Uh, have you seen it? You know, I never have. Oh, that's gross. It is terrible, isn't it? I even, I even spent a, uh, a whole month, um, I think it was in 2006, um, doing an evangelistic campaign in Port Macquarie with um, a bunch of the Eastwood um, students and whatnot, and never, during that whole month, I never made it out to the farm. It's like talking ancient history going back to two thousand and six. I know, though. isn't it? It's like <laughs> two thousand and six. It's like that was like forever ago. I don't even remember then. Actually, yes, I do. I had a child born that year. I remember then. <laughs> <laughs> now you keep mentioning students. So, if someone was interested in being a student at Eastwood, what like what can they expect and what can they learn? So probably we don't do the the schools as such anymore. So the main things is the canvassing trip um, or the literature evangelist or whatever you want to call that. Um, so they learn how to approach people on the doors. Uh, they learn the gospel. Um, and then the music camps where they do all, they're all kinds of stuff at music camp. They, I'm sure... All sorts of people have been to music camp. And with the um, with the agriculture program that you've got there, can can young people just sort of sort of come along and spend say you know six months or a year and just learn agriculture? Do you have if anyone like, could come like in the stay? next week? That'd be really good because my husband's in Canada and I'm holding the fort and I'm not doing a great job. I can okay, tell so if anyone wants a wants a really cool farm <laughs> stay in the Port Macquarie area next week. <laughs> Give us a call here, 1-800-324-843 is the number, and uh, we will try and find, we, we, will, we will connect you with Desley. Weeding um, carrots, come on. <laughs> just sounds inspiring. <laughs> You're tedious. But you will get to eat the most amazing produce that is just so rich in nutrients, you will go away feeling like a completely new person. Bubbling, wasn't it? Bubbling. Bubbling. Bubbling, Bubbling with nutrients. So the agricult- agricultural, is that like something you offer also as a course to learn? Because that sounds really cool. Well, it's something we'd like to. Um, my husband has just finished his diploma in organic agriculture. His next step is his cert for and workplace training assessment, and then we will take on interns and people like that. But a farm state for the moment. 
Yes. Farm stay? Yes. Yeah, yeah, farm stay. How, how, come and stay. Yeah. <laughs> how big is it all? And weed carrots. <laughs> yeah, weed carrots. Um, okay, the property is 270 acres or something, but the garden itself is about three quarters of an acre under intensive agriculture. Under intensive agriculture. Wow. Okay, wow. So you pump out that much produce what, like, what in kind an of, area that's more. Yeah. What kind of produce do you pump out and what do you do with it all? Everything. So our aim is to grow everything that the average person would go to the supermarket to buy for their weekly shop. So everything wow. from beans and peas and cauliflower and broccoli and chards and silver beet and spinach and kales and rhubarb and zucchini and all just tim sweet tams. corn. Do you grow tim tams? Um, I haven't no, been able to strike them just yet. <laughs> Still grafting the tim and the tam you trees okay? together. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, you said the stuff you get from the supermarket. It's late in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, like, Is that actually possible? <laughs> only one way to find out. <laughs> but like, So I'm interested, like, do you believe... Um, because, you know, I've been watching some documentaries on, you know, global food crises and this kind of thing and, you know, and how they're saying that uh, a plant-based lifestyle is the only sustainable lifestyle uh, worldwide. And, you know, and they're saying that even if you had like your own goat or your own cow or your own chickens in your backyard, backyard it still actually isn't sustainable enough to support the planet. So do you believe that everything that we would buy from Woolies and Coles, we can grow in our own backyards? Pretty well. I mean, there are some things like we're not going to be able to grow a mango down here. Okay, yeah, true. So it's seasonal and it's... Um, and they can't grow raspberries. We, oh, we wow, can wow. grow raspberries. But they're not like, not like Tasmanian raspberries. Okay, I haven't tasted a Tasmanian raspberry. Maybe you yeah. can do some bartering and, and swap some raspberries You have raspberries growing mango. in your place? No. 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 <laughs> so I've tried... But I know I've that tried, you can. I've tried it <laughs> and yeah... But nah. Yeah, but you're you're even no. That's okay. Yeah. I don't see. Know. I would I would love to go to Eastwood for a while and learn how to grow all this kind of stuff because I have like no green thumb on me whatsoever. My parents are like my parents would make a rock into an oasis. Um, I know nothing about making stuff grow. I know how to kill everything. Um, I can even kill a cactus in like very little spaces <laughs> of time. Oh, that's. Tough. But I would love to come along to Eastwood and learn how to grow this kind of thing mm. and then go home and like, I'd love to be able to grow. To the point where I don't need to buy any produce from any supermarket at all because it makes me so angry. Just last night, last night, Desley, I went to Woolies and bought fruit and veg for like a week, right? And it cost me $80. Makes me so angry. For one person. And you could have given me $80. I know. Well, I didn't know you then, did I? That was like... 12 hours Lyle, ago. why didn't you introduce us <laughs> earlier? Oops. Yeah, I would love to be able to grow all my own produce. And I, and I also feel like I'd have better control over it as well because, like, you know, because I'm so dubious about organic because I went to California at one time and I got to visit an organic strawberry farm. But right next to the organic patch, um, organic field, strawberry field, there was a non-organic field. And there were, at the point that I was visiting it, they were spraying it with pesticides and fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. sea breeze, because it was right on the beach, was mm-hmm. just blowing yeah, it. only spray it. When yeah. the breeze is blowing, yeah, yeah. And it was blowing. I was watching <laughs> it sense. because it was like the evening sun was setting. You could see all the, the the you know the water molecules in the air. You could watch them just drifting across, being blown by the breeze from the non-organic over to the organic patch. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there is more yeah. pesticides on the organic patch. Don't right now. get me started on that one. That's okay. just uh, we, is that your red we're button? actually we're actually not even certified because I actually believe that the whole certification thing is a um, bit of a money hole. Yeah, it absolutely. And is. and you don't really still know what you're getting. That's exactly. What it's right. about for us is getting to our customers and the trust relationship that's built between us and our customers. And our farm is open. Our customers, we actually just had our first open day 
we had over 50 of our customers come out and they all wandered through the garden and I made them a big plant-based meal. It was great. That's amazing. So with your three quarters of an acre that you have under agriculture, um, you, you know, because this discussion that Mon and I have been having um, here on Faith FM has sort of revolved around, you know, how much land it actually takes to, um, to feed a person. How many people could you feed from three quarters of an acre? Ah, we have probably about a hundred regular customers from our three quarters of an acre, plus a couple of cafes, restaurants. Wow. And they'd all be feeding multiple people. Well, most of those would be feeding multiple people, so you'd be Families. buying for your family and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some of so them are three buying... three quarters of an acre, we could say that you were probably feeding 300 people? Yep, probably. Wow. And wow. if you tried to do three quarters of an acre of, uh, of, say, beef, how much beef could you produce on three quarters of an acre? How many people oh, could you... <laughs> yeah, like hardly Asking anything. the wrong person for that one. <laughs> Two hamburgers. <laughs> but that, I, I really love that... Like one you know, quarter of a cow. Yeah, exactly. I really love that your way of combating the whole, like, certified organicness is to open up the doors and say, do you know what? You want to know if we're organic? Come take a look. Come yeah. take a look. I wish that we had access to all the farms, to every single agriculture, be it animal agriculture or plant agriculture, that is providing the produce for Australia through any of our supermarkets. I wish that we could just walk onto the, or any of them and just say, look, I want to expect where my food comes from. That I would feel tell like we you should, it's a biosecurity issue. I feel like we should have the right to see where our food comes from. Not just to say we have a right to know, so therefore tell us, but to actually say, do you know what? I have a right to see it. Not just to be told, Damn, but on, to there's go this thing visit called drones. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a thing called prison and fines and things I want to avoid. But yeah, but especially with animal agriculture, I think if people had the opportunity to go and see where their beef, you know, where their steak and their chicken nuggets come from, they might be astounded. So yeah, anyway, rant over. But <laughs> we're actually pretty running out of time. We here. are out of time. Eventually, thank you so much for coming on board and uh, and hitting our rant buttons for us, Desley. We really appreciate <laughs> you coming along. Um, but for people who want to get more information about Eastward, uh, where can they go? Is there a website, a Facebook yeah, page? If they go to Eastward Missions, just Google Eastward Missions. Um, don't forget, it's a W A R D, not a not a W double O D. Um, just go head on there and that's where you can find out all about what we do. Eastwood Missions. Okay, thank you very much and let us know as soon as you've managed to graph a Tim tree and a Tam tree together and I'll be down to pick some Tim Tams. Thank you so much and we'll be back after this sh- uh, music. Well, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses The voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me And He talks with me And He tells me I am His own And the joy that we share As we tarry there Nobody else has ever known He speaks and the sound of his voice All the birds hush their singing And the melody that he gave to me is in my heart Just a ring a ring a ring a ring a ring And he walks with me And he talks with me And he tells me I am his own And the joy that we share As we tarry there Nobody else has ever known
drinks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy that we share as we tarry there none other has ever to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Hey, are you part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 024994-3220 or simply email greynomads at adventist.org.au. Found 